What's up, everybody? Welcome into the OBR Film Breakdown. I'm your host, Jake Burns. We are going to do a couple short editions over the next few days. Life's about to get crazy for me on a personal level. Uh, we are lucky enough to be having our second child. Wife is going to get induced on Friday morning, so that will make recording some podcasts a little bit of a challenge here for the daily grind you guys know that I like to do. So um, we will do our best to get some things posted over the next few days doing the Ask the OBR Thursday show, which will be re-aired on the podcast channel over the weekend, and hope to get some things recorded for a Friday episode uh, at that point too. So everything's a bit of a blur, a lot of doctor's visits, couldn't get a podcast up yesterday, trying to figure out the best way to go with this. Our first son, Porter, was born early, premature, 33 weeks. We're lucky to be at 37 weeks this time, so... Uh, the good thing is we're in good position here and, and everything, and I just wanted to keep you apprised to why there wasn't a podcast yesterday and why some things might be spotty as this new uh, our newborn son comes into the world, and we got to figure out and navigate the time that it takes to do that and two children and all of that stuff. So bear with me a little bit if you're a podcast regular here on the Everyday OBR Film Breakdown. So wanted to touch base there. Looks like the biggest thing that I missed was Baker Mayfield's introductory press conference with Carolina. I'll get to that here in just a minute. As you know, I have vowed not to speak about him on Twitter anymore until I have to week one, but nonetheless. Uh, things up at the OBR that I think of our particular interest. Hopefully you got a chance to read about the pistol adaptations I think are going to happen this year with Watson. I'm going to do a weekly year three offense evolution until training camp. going to try to get that out every Tuesday, so check that out if you missed it. Um, uh, otherwise there were talks about the Browns inconsistencies in coaching staff and how this third year of Kevin Stefanski and all of his people, right? His offensive coordinator, Alex Van Pels, defensive coordinator, Joe Woods, and him back as the play caller is rare for Cleveland. The only team that has not had that for three straight seasons longer is the Arizona Cardinals, which are also set to break that inconsistency streak. So, the Browns have not had it since 91 through 93 when they had Belichick calling the offense, believe it or not, and a guy unknown at the time, Nick Saban, defensive coordinator in Cleveland. They have not had three straight years of coach, head coach, play caller, OC and DC in place for that long. Now, that's amazing, obviously, uh, that you could go that long. Speaks to why the Browns have struggled for so long as well. Uh, it, it doesn't take much to look at some of the best organizations in the NFL and look at the consistency they have had among those important positions, uh, especially as coaches. And it just, it just, it also brings something to me as a film analyst, how we can evaluate some of the um, nuances and changes year to year. We can start to predict a little bit more about what they're going to do and what they don't like to do and start to give you, the reader or listener, a better feel for what the coaching staff is trying to accomplish and how they're going to try to accomplish it. And if they do make changes, it's easy to pinpoint those changes because it's so out of the regular. So it does help us too. Hopefully that stays the way it is for a while. I'm not sure that... Uh, like I, The Browns have great success this year. They could start to see Alex Van Pelt poached. Uh, AVP could want a job as a... A play caller somewhere. So he's only the OC by by title here. He's a quarterback coach, offensive coordinator, but doesn't call the plays. And Joe Woods becoming a head coaching candidate, like I said, if the defense nominates, which is all very, very possible here. Uh, I, I didn't include special teams coordinator. I maybe should have on that one, but 
Uh, this will be the third straight year with the special teams coordinator. The Browns have been pretty lucky, even bringing back Chris Kiffin in the, on the D-line when he had left, to keep a lot of the coaching staff in intact. That's unique for them, and I, I hope they can continue to stick to that, even though there might, uh, might be some things that... Uh, get a little dicey this year with some of the way the roster shakeup is going and what we have to still be decided out there. So um, I'm excited about that coaching consistency. That article's up there for you to read if you would like to read it. Five key position battles uh, is also up from Fred Greetham looking at defense this time. He already did one on offense. So those position battles are out there for you to read about, and a lot of them very well constructed by Fred. Uh, these these buzz about Adamic and Sue, our own Brad, Brad Stainbrook, has pointed out several times now that the Browns aren't really connected. It seems like a Vikings-Raiders real connection. People sort of trying to push that there is a potential for a signing there. I continue to not think that that is going to happen. It just doesn't make sense for the Browns' rollover situation. While that player could help them, no doubt about it, it just does not feel like a decision that they are going to make, or they would have already made it by now. But I could be wrong, and they could sign them by the time you listen to this podcast. Who knows? I just don't think that's going to happen. That's a wrap-up of what's on the OBR right now to read about. Baker Mayfield's introductory press conference, listen, a lot of different things. People think he took the high road. Sure, that's fine. Uh, He probably should have taken the high road after he lived in the Valley through the end of the season, uh, making comments that his people were clearly putting into the ear of certain people in Cleveland media to get out there. So I'm happy that he took the high road. Maybe it's a first step towards football maturity for Baker Mayfield that we haven't seen. A lot of video game buzz about Green Bay Packers week and how much time he was spending on Halo and just a lot of bad optics for him for a while here. So, hey, taking the high road is great. I I think that there's some interesting uh, little mini quotes inside there. Obviously, he's looking forward to week one and there's some personal redemption he's trying to accomplish there. But the Panthers were very eager to note that it's an open competition. He's not just going to be handed the starting job. He is going to have to work for that job as Sam Darnold is still there in healthy competition with him. And, um, you know, Mayfield mentioned being shocked by the trade or at least this trade that if you did not hear that trade was two months in place. Like the Panthers and Browns had a framework of a deal for two months, but it was about seeing who would give up. And, And what I mean by the framework is the draft pick compensation, but it was how sort of how they were going to manipulate the cap, the 18.5 million number, and it seems like Mayfield's willingness to eat 3.5 of that and leave the the Panthers on the hook for only 5 million was the thing that pushed it over the top. So Mayfield talks about as well, you know, this uh, shock value of the trade or the situation shocked him in the offseason. I'm not sure that should have shocked him. I think they were pretty open with his people about this desire to to push for something as an upgrade if it was out there. Maybe he just didn't think it would be um, you know, Deshaun Watson, and maybe he ultimately didn't think Watson would pick Cleveland, but nonetheless, uh, that that's that's a quote that stood out to me. And then also Mayfield saying he wanted to go to a place with a head coach and GM who really wanted him. And I'm like, okay, did they really want you? Because they were, were only willing to take you if you took money of your own off the table. Now, I know there are incentive opportunities for him if he plays a lot. Uh, obviously incentive opportunities for the Browns to make that fifth-round pick, a fourth-round pick if Mayfield plays 70% of snaps. But it's like, I just... It's a, it's a different thing for Mayfield now uh, here where he's not going to be handed a lot of things he's been handed as a first overall pick, and I will be very interested to see how he handles that and whether he's the first overall, uh, you know, the first guy that they end up working uh, into snaps in the preseason and if he gets a real opportunity to start uh, to start uh, week one. So, uh, you know, it would definitely make for better TV overall. But anyway, let's flip over and talk about the cornerbacks. We're going to start with Denzel Ward and Greg Newsom. We'll do so right after this break and a quick word from our sponsors. 
We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Alrighty, so if you've been living in a you know a cave, I guess, for the past month or so, you've missed all of these, uh, what I'm calling an audio preview of your Cleveland Browns this year. We have done uh, a bunch of different positions by now, and, and positions with key players we've broken off into two different uh, segments, sometimes three, depending on how many or of quality you want to talk about. Uh, we're going to do probably three podcasts on the cornerback room, and we're going to start this one with Denzel Ward and Greg Newsom, who I view as the two most talented players in the cornerback room, and I don't think that should come as a surprise to anybody. Uh, Denzel Ward gets a new contract. He'll play this year at just 25 years of age. His new contract is essentially $100 million with a five-year extension. The Browns have the means to get out of that contract if they would like uh, in 2027. So technically it's four years. In 27, they would save $20 million against the cap and only have $3 million of dead hit. But every other year, it's a locked-in deal. His cap number this year is $12 million, then jumps to twenty. Um, sorry, it's $5 million, which is a consistent theme across the roster, how they've manipulated cap numbers. Then jumps to 12 next year, and then 23, 21, 27, 24. So he gets expensive. And I think the Browns think that this player, and Denzel, I have been very vocal about this. Obviously, they are paying him for performance. He has been a very fine NFL corner. I think the ESPN executive voting panel put him something like sixth in the NFL, which I think is probably pretty fair. He's in that range. He's not quite elite, but he's pretty damn good. Um, I think they think he's going to get better. And they continue to put a lot in his lap, which I like. And he continues to respond to that. So... He did miss um, he did miss week eight, but he did not miss many games this year. He played 855 snaps, 822 the year before. And actually, he's played a pretty solid number of snaps every year. Now, last year, he had some of his best overall work outside of his rookie campaign, which was strong, as we know. The tackling, I mean, across the board, the run defense got better. The tackling got better. His overall defensive grade was the best it's been in two years, and his coverage marks were as well. 14 stop tackles, which is a career high for him. That can be in both pass and run game. Really like that with only three missed tackles. So consider that he missed 10 his rookie year, eight his second, sixth his third, and then only three last year. You love to see that. So he chipped into 38 total tackles, six assisted tackles. He had a couple pressures on the quarterback, a hit and sack, where they would do those green dog delayed blitzes. He got a sack, I think, against Minnesota on that. For the year, targeted 71 times, three less than the year before, 
uh, two more than in 2019. He was targeted 82 times his rookie year. He completed allowed 44 completions in his general direction, only three touchdowns allowed on the year, which is a pretty strong overall number. Three interceptions. We know he returned one of those for a touchdown, which you again love to see that. Uh, but he had six pass breakups as well. He allowed a passer rating of 94, sorry, 74.8, significantly better than the 91.6 last year. Even though he had more pass breakups last year, he did allow six touchdowns in 2020. So he improved on that in 2021, uh, giving up only 419 yards. That's a career low. So you, again, you love to see that. Denzel continues to get better, in my opinion. I don't have a ton of things to say about him i think you all know by now how special i think he is he's really good on the backside of their poach concepts and playing man-to-man when they want him to lock down one side while the other four uh you know sometimes five sometimes maybe even six defensive backs play that poach coverage uh where 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 it's quarters to the field and he's in one-on-one on the backside he's very good at it and you know, he's going to continue to be challenged. I think his size does limit some of the effectiveness against some receivers. We've seen that through his career, but he's going to continue to be challenged. I really do think he can he can respond to that even better. And much like I talked about with Miles and JOK about these guys who are anchors of the defense, I think there's another level or two here for him to go where he has a career season in him. I'm excited about that potential for a career season because I, I think it's out there. I think he can. I truly do think he can get better. He played more slot snaps his first two years in 18 and 19. That could return a little bit with the departure of Troy Hill and a lack of real true certainty at slot. Um, we know Greg Newsom. We're going to talk about here in a minute has had some, but he only played 11 slot snaps and 10 slot snaps the last two years respectively. So they want him in Joe Woods' tenure. We want him outside. We want him handling that tricky, difficult role, more often than not playing X receivers. He only gave up a long catch of 33 yards. Again, that's great for a guy targeted 71 times. So listen, Denzel Ward anchoring the secondary, going to be a great part of not only the Browns uh, defense, but the community He's active, he's everywhere, and I think he's a face of the franchise. You got to love Denzel. Nothing really other to say than we're just very happy that contract got worked out and he's going to continue to be a lockdown player for them. Greg Newsom comes over as a first-round pick last year, and boy, did he play really well. He had four games graded over 70. He had one high of 77 against Baltimore in the pre um, the Baltimore game before the bye at Baltimore. We played really well in that one, in my opinion. Um, had a pass breakup in that game and, and played really well against the run game, only giving up 10 yards in coverage as well. Um, I, re- I just like Greg, I like the way his he approaches everything. I like his attitude. It seems to point in the direction that he is going to play more in the slot. He's embraced that conversation. He seems to be embracing the role and all that comes with it. We know there's an uptick in physicality. All of that stuff is uh, it's difficult. I hope he can handle it, and I hope it doesn't expose him to unnecessary things because he's a very gifted outside corner as well. His coverage grade of 70.6 is very strong. They docked him on the tackling stuff, which, you know, jumping up in physicality is a challenge for a young corner. They gave him eight missed tackles on the year, 36 total tackles, three assisted, 11 stop plays, pretty much in line with what we saw from uh, from Denzel. He just plays uh, more often than not Newsome plays to the wide side of the field, so a little less opportunity to play in tight spaces. He was only targeted 58 times. He gave up 37 catches, a 63.8% number there. A similar number of yards, though, to Denzel at 63, uh, Sorry, 416. He only allowed two touchdowns. Didn't have an interception, 
but he did have eight pass breakups, which I like that ball production. He's going to get a couple interceptions this year. I don't think there's any doubt about that. He's so twitchy. Both of these guys are so similar, how they can play different techniques. They can play zone man. The Browns are very, very lucky to have these two players and uh, I'm, exci- I'm so excited to see how these two continue to be every down, on the field, all the time, corners for the Browns. Newsom's on his rookie deal. He's a first-round pick, so the numbers are a little higher, but he was an end-of-the-first-round pick, uh, pick number 26 overall. He is just uh, just off of a May 18th birthday, 22 years old, so super young. We all know he went to Northwestern. His cap number in 22 is going to be 2.8. It is going to be 3.4 in 23, and then in 24, 4.056. They could, uh, no, they're not going to cut him. They would never cut him. He's not. I mean, he's going to play out this rookie contract. He'd have to be abysmal, Justin Gilbert terrible the next three years to not be able to find his spot on the roster. So we all don't think that's going to happen. The thing we're most uh, paying attention to here is where he lines up. It feels like he's going to line up in the slot a lot because they need that. Uh, but it also could be some more outside opportunity than we expect, too, if they don't trust Greedy, A.J. Green, or uh, Martin Emerson, the rookie, which we'll get to all of those guys, if they don't trust them enough to play out there. So that is to be seen, uh, especially as personnel shifts. If you play base defense and you have three linebackers, four down, and you have two corners on the field, is he going to be an outside guy for those and then simply bump inside to play nickel when they go against 11 or 12 personnel or something of that sort? So a lot of eyes will be on that. I know mine will be fixated on it in preseason and early into the regular season to see what that shift for Greg is going to be. Because, again, another reminder, you can oftentimes seemingly find some bargains on the interior as a nickel. Also, those guys make significantly less money. The money is typically made by outside corners. Newsom is not, if he's switching, he's not going to play as much outside corner. You start to worry about where is he going to find the big next contract. You might not worry about it. You might not care at all. But that's something that is interesting to me because that is a lot less money on the market. Slot corners just don't make the money outside corners do. It's kind of interesting because that position's, in my opinion, harder to play inside out uh, route combinations. And, and it's a lot, you don't have the sideline as a benefit for you. The tackling is a little tougher. It's playing some stuff inside the tackle box too and run fit, and especially when the linebackers are doing fallback fits and things like that. So a lot of uh, responsibility dropped into the lap of Greg Newsom. Young, exciting player though. Both of these corners age 25 and 22. Man, what more could you want from this position? And especially in this division where Cincinnati, their bevy of wide receivers presides, the weirdness of that Ravens offense, which is going to continue to be a challenge uh, and, and, and is benefited a team has benefited like the Browns by more speed on the field as we've seen them try to do that more often, get more speed to combat some of the speed things that the Ravens do, even if that speed stuff is in the run game. And then obviously Pittsburgh fields a nice receiving core tight end group. And then again, the Bills, the Chiefs, these teams you have to beat, all of them have really great wide receiver groups, so you better have depth to match it and top-of-the-line guys to go with that depth. And we know the Browns have two top-of-the-line guys here. We think Greg Newsom is ready to make that jump this year. Excited to watch him. That's a wrap for today's episode. We've talked about those two corners. We'll continue to probably uh, glance at Greedy tomorrow, glance at Emerson, and continue in A.J. Green's uh, direction uh, as well. Maybe even talk about who that uh, additional corner will be if they keep six of those guys remains to be seen. So check that episode out. I was just on a crossover with the Ravens, a Blue Wire pod uh, with 
with Ken McCusick, Film Study Ravens on Twitter. Great guy. Great follow if you want unbiased opinions and conversation about the Ravens. He's so good. Um, was just on that pod. So if you want to check that out and hear my uh, conversation with him, mostly pertaining to Browns things that you guys know my opinion on if you're a loyal listener, but check that podcast out as it's part of the Blue Wire Podcast Network if you uh, if you will. So I will be back hopefully with uh, a Friday episode uh, that is our usual with, uh, you know, uh, usual episodes of John Colosimo on Friday. So hopefully we can fit that in. You'll have a, a Saturday or Sunday, likely Saturday, ask the OBR Twitch replay to listen to as well. And then, I don't know, try to find some time Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, moving the little guy back into the house to have uh, a podcast conversation and get something accomplished ahead of what's going to be a wild uh, a wild stretch here. So thanks for checking out today's episode, guys, and supporting the OBR through the Twitch website and this podcast. I always say it, but I do genuinely mean it. It, it means everything to us as it makes all of this worth it. Have a great Thursday, and go Browns. It's happening daily. We're being conned by the institutions we used to trust. The mainstream media is distracting us with meaningless headlines instead of focusing on the harsh realities facing American families. Time is short before something big happens, and that's why so many folks are preparing. They're becoming self-reliant by investing in emergency food storage from My Patriot Supply. Go to MyPatriotSupply.com and secure four-week emergency food kits for each member of your family. Each kit contains tasty breakfasts, lunches, and dinners, averaging over 2,000 calories per day. Save $50 on each four-week food kit you purchase. Plus, get free shipping on Ready Hour four-week emergency food kits. You're not ready if it's not Ready Hour foods. At My Patriot Supply, you can also get solar power generators, water filtration units, heirloom seeds, and survival gear. Order by 3 p.m., and your unmarked boxes ship the same day. Shop MyPatriotSupply.com today. MyPatriotSupply.com